Hello and welcome to episode one of Upgrade, a show that looks at how technology shapes us over time and drives us into the future. This is episode one. Today is September 16th, 2014. This episode of Upgrade is brought to you by Igloo, an internet you'll actually like, and Text Expander from Smile. Type more with less effort. My name is Mike Hurley, and I have the pleasure of introducing your host, Mr. Jason Snell. Hi, Mike, and hello to everybody out there. It's uh, it's great to be here. It's great to have you on Relay FM, Jason. It's uh, it's uh, yeah. I, I've been well. I've been on Relay FM several times, but this is uh, episode <laughs> one of Upgrade, which is exciting because I was just a guest in other people's houses before, and this this is the home we share, Mike. I know it's very nice. Isn't it? It's cozy. <laughs> it's very cozy in here. So. I mean, should we talk a little bit about Upgrade before we, like, get into the, the main topic? I think we should. I mean, it is episode one, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it is, yeah, we should talk about it at least a little bit before we talk about uh, the stuff that's going on in the new uh, in the new iPhones, which are which I have and I can talk about now, which is exciting. <laughs> so we've been, like, basically this show is, the way that I look at it, is with you we have someone who has a vast amount of experience. Um, right, that means I'm old. For a man of, of your young age. <laughs> okay, well done, well played. Uh, and, you know, you, you are a man of great insight as well. And, you know, now that you are a free agent, it would be a travesty if you did not have a place every week where you could wax lyrical about what's happening in the technology industry. And you know, one of the things that I wanted us to focus on was not just Apple. I mean, we're talking about Apple today. But I think that your sort of knowledge it goes across different types of companies. So across like to Google and Microsoft and to maybe other different software and hardware vendors and stuff like that. Because I think that there's there's definitely more than just the Apple news cycle. And I think it would be really interesting for us to take a look at how things are changing over the time, look at how things are going to change into the future, but across the entire industry rather than just one company or one type of thing. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I was when we were talking about companies, I kept I kept mentioning Amazon too, which I'm I'm did, fascinated yes. by. I'm a big Amazon. I mean, other than uh, Apple, I think my number two company that I whose services and products I consume, it's probably Amazon, and then Google below that. And I, there's a lot going on that's interesting. I obviously, as somebody who has written uh, about app, primarily Apple stuff and related for the last twenty years since I was a baby, um, <laughs> I uh, obviously Apple is near and dear to my heart and. And um, what's that saying? If you cut me, I bleed six colors. You know, yep, that yep. is that is true. But, um, you know, I always take a, a skeptical view toward uh, toward Apple and I'm always taking an open uh, open view toward the other stuff that's going on. And I think it's worth talking about that. And you can view that through a, a perspective of people as Apple. Uh, product users and as a perspective of people who are uh, or are not um, and how it affects Apple and how it affects the rest of technology. I, I We're all using the web, web, uh, you know, web publishing and the evolution of the web continues. And Amazon is, uh, is uh, like I said, a fascinating company too. So we have lots, we have lots to talk about. And then if we want to, you know, horn in on on uh, Casey Liss's territory we'll talk about the feels a little bit too so we could do that we could do anything as possible it's episode 1 there's a blank mm-hmm. canvas before us mike nothing's holding us back anymore that's right well and and i mean you you mentioned it uh one of the, i love podcasting people who uh, who know me may know that I have been doing a podcast called The, the Incomparable for about four years now uh, that I started in my spare time mostly because I thought podcasting was really cool. 
and I wanted to do more of it. And I also wanted to do something that wasn't in the auspices of my employer, something that I could make and control and have it be exactly what I wanted it to be. And it, it has been that and continues to be that and now has a bunch of spinoffs. And at Macworld, you know, I could have forced things and said, look, I decree that the Macworld podcast will be my podcast and it will it will only be me and I will, you know, I could do that. But the fact is Macworld had a fantastic collection of people who, who wrote for it. And um, I wanted them to all have a, a, a chance. And um, and so since, you know, our feeling was that uh, everybody who worked there, uh, their technology parts of their brain were really being taken up by their employer, uh, that limited my outlet in terms of uh, tech podcasts. I guessed it on a lot of them, but I, I didn't feel like I could do one. I didn't really want to start another one inside IDG. So having left IDG um, last week, I, uh, you know, when I knew that was happening, I, you know, we started talking about it because I definitely do want to do podcasts about technology. And rather than put them at the incomparable, which is really about pop culture, I decided I didn't want to muddy those waters with technology. I really love what you guys have been doing with Relay. And so here we are. So here we go. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like right now people are just clamoring to hear what we're about to talk about so we should probably we should probably give it to them i think you're probably right so uh, as we stand today my order is in and i'll talk about what phone i i've ordered um but you are you are one of the the lucky chosen few and you have an or multiple iPhones in your I, possession right now? I do. Uh, I have. So I was one of the people that was fortunate enough to be given advanced access to the iPhone 6, which comes after they announce it, but before they release it. And uh, uh, I've gone on, on and off that list over the years, but I, I got on it this time, which was kind of awkward as I was exiting Macworld. And so we sort of agreed that I would do uh, a, one last review for for Macworld of the of the new model. So I have both. I have the iPhone 6 and the iPhone 6 Plus. I've had them uh, since last week. Uh, my review should be, if it's not up now, shortly on Macworld and maybe some other places too. But um, And then I'm talking about it with you here. But yeah, so I, I've been able to play the, play with them for the last little while. And, uh, and uh, that's been fun. Before we talk about the products, I think something that interests so many people uh, that are outside of this chosen few, uh, of which there are many people that would like to be in it. I've always been very curious about what happens after the event is over. So the event's over, you, you get led into this ominous cube this time, right? Which is maybe a little bit different. We worked out what the cube was for. From, from the ground level, it wasn't ominous at all. It looked like a really big Apple store. And it was just, it was exactly what we all thought it was, was going to be. What we who, who go to these events, not the like uh, Kremlinologists thought it was going to be, which is a spaceship that would <laughs> was combined with some sort of surgery practice that would implant things in your head. It was, it's a hands-on area. And at, at Yerba Buena, where they often do do these events, but that's a much smaller venue. There is a, a another building across the way from the main theater that was always set up as the hands-on area, but it was very small. And so even with the smaller theater, there'd be a long wait. There was actually, strangely enough, still a long wait to get into this thing. It wasn't that huge, but it was, you know, they had a big area with iWatches or Apple Watches, sorry, on, on little um, stands. And then they had areas where they had iPhones laid out on the 
on the tables and Apple employees next to each station to show you and make you know how they work and also make sure that you didn't steal them. And then also some iWatches or Apple Watches. God, I've got to stop saying that. It's too uh, hard Apple to watches. Not say it. I know, I know. Apple Watches. Just watches. It could be I, it could be you, it could be me. Uh, and they had those with people too. And, and that was funny because they had um, the Apple employee would have one that they would put on your wrist and it was running in a demo loop. So it wasn't actually functional in any way. It would show you things and it would vibrate. So you could get the feel of like the weight of it and you could see what the screen looked like and you could you could feel what the, the haptic stuff uh, felt like, but you couldn't actually use it. And then separately, while, while you had it on your wrist, then they would demo on their wrist a very limited set, basically a script of uh, of what they could show you with the with the Apple Watch. So that was what that cube cube was. It's clearly not ready. No, it's just like it's just like yeah. the original iPhone. When I when right. I at MacWorld Expo back in two thousand seven, I mean, I was one of the people who got brought in to to see that thing. They brought in I don't know twenty or thirty members of the press to touch the iPhone and 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 use it. And there wasn't even a script. They're like, here, have this. And I remember it was like warm, and that 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 dis- that display was. Which it wasn't even Retina, but it was so high resolution compared to what we were used to, um, and it, it was such a weird feeling to do it. But also, I remember from that that I tapped on like the the Contacts app, and what came up was obviously a fairly low resolution compressed JPEG of a screenshot of what the Contacts app might look like. <laughs> and I thought, okay, <laughs> you know, that, I'll just back so, away so from this one. T- Touch any of the app, any of the eleven apps that are here, uh, or what, however many there were, and you you found that like four of them actually were there, and the rest of them were sort of representations because they just weren't working right yet. And the uh, the Apple Watch felt like that. It it's not done. It's we usually see Apple products when they're already being manufactured and they're going to be shipping. And the iWatch, Apple Watch, I'm just going to keep saying it: Apple Watch, Apple Watch, Apple Watch. Um, it is, I'll say it, it'll appear it's, it's months away. It's months away. The software isn't done. People are talking sort of conspiratorially about the battery life and all Apple will say is at the end of the day, you will charge it, which implies it will still be functional at the end of the day. But you know what? They don't know. I'm sure they are trying very hard to shoot for a goal, but they don't know what that battery life is really going to be because the software is not done. The hardware might not be done. So we're a long way off there, and it's not, it, it's not ready. This was just they. This you get one chance when you're launching a product category to pre-announce it, and all the other times you're gonna you're gonna kill your sales of the other product. So you have to wait. But you can pre-announce and build interest one time, the first time, and that's what they did with the Apple Watch. So yeah, it's not ready. It's totally not ready. Uh, it's funny how not ready it was. In fact, I tapped on one, and the guy was like, "Oh, oh, you're not supposed to tap on that." <laughs> <laughs> I tapped on one of the uh, one of the apps and it opened and it kind of looked weird and he's like no button button get it out, get us out of there because uh, I think I you know I got off the script a little bit they didn't want us touching it but right. you know you just reached in anyway well I wanted to see about the tap targets because I was worried that the tap targets are so small that if you want to launch an app are you are you really going to be able to to get it and it did a good job I mean it launched the app and then the app was kind of funny but um, it worked. Uh, pretty much like you would expect i mean it 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 didn't i didn't miss it and launch another app but by doing this i launched an app that wasn't supposed to launch apparently so does everybody that gets invited to the event get to go into the press area and see the devices 
I think so. I mean, most of the people there are, are, are press or they're VIPs and they all get to be allowed in. And then there are Apple employees that probably don't because the Apple employees are, are you know, they some Apple employees were there um, to see the unveiling of it. But, you know, it is the, there was a fire marshal there. It's a very limited space. They were they were letting people in as people left because they were at full capacity. So. Um, so the press is all allowed to go, and we all have our little colored badges that indicate that we're press. And then the Apple employees, I think, are, are uh, if they're supposed to be there, they can walk right in. And if they're not supposed to be there, then they, um, they're they told to go away, <laughs> go home, go back to work. You, you, they probably show it to them another day or something. If they Pro- you know, Probably they, so. So then how do you know if you're going to be given one of one of these units? Do they come and find you? Like how does that process work? For as much as you're able to say, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if it's secret or not. Um, it, it's. It's. I mean, John Gruber famously wrote about one of these, and uh, and it, it works like that. It, it. It. You get. You get a heads up in advance from Apple PR right. saying, like, hang around, or we'll meet you over here, or here's a time, come over here, and it can vary based on what they're doing. Are they just handing you a product to walk away with? Are they setting you up for a briefing? Um, so you know, th- there's a there's a, a heads up, a high sign, a, a little secret handshake that says yeah. "stick around." And when you don't get that, then you're like, "Oh, okay, I guess I'm not. Uh, I guess I'm leaving with nothing." But well, this time. <laughs> I've, I've been there. You just kind of like drag your feet around a little bit and like look at people and be like, "Me? Do you, do you want me today?" <laughs> but generally, traditionally, certainly in the Katie Cotton era of Apple PR, uh, they wanted you to really keep it on the down low. Like, like don't don't mention this to anybody else, and don't just be you know fly casual. Come over here, and we'll take you back into this other area where you'll wait for your briefing. Don't show off that you got a briefing, and yeah, I, I gotta go. I got my secret product briefing. Right? They 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 always sort of frowned on that. Uh, that that said, I did uh, as I was leaving the hands on area, I ran into. A, uh, I ran into a, uh, a a writer of some note who was carrying an Apple logoed, uh, you know, Apple Store bag with a couple of boxes in it, and I thought, well, those those are your review units. <laughs> it was pretty funny. It was like not quite a secret, but then again, you know, what what was that person going to do? Were they going to hide it in a bag somewhere and deny all knowledge? It, it you know, does seem strange to-, to me, though, to give the, to give you an Apple Store bag because, like. I know people are getting the phones that day and everyone in the world knows where the event is. Like, so if you see somebody walking away with, with uh, an Apple bag with a couple of boxes in it, you know what's in the bag. Well, and everybody, right, and everybody knows. And I think Apple is not really as concerned about that. They don't want people kind of like flaunting their uh, access. Uh, but ultimately what Apple really doesn't want is public displays of the new devices. So, you know, if that person had gone over to a TV crew and said, let me show you this new thing, they would be in trouble. Um, but it's not, it's not quite, it seems to me not as severe as it used to be. It used to be really like, you can't admit that this thing exists. You can't admit that you've been using it. You can't show it to anybody. And now it's a little bit different. Now it seems to be more like no public exhibitions, but if I'm reading the rules right, you know, I, I'm I'm within my rights to use it and even for people to see it, but I, I, I can't, you know, write about it publicly. I can't go on somebody's TV show and show it, anything like that. It's meant to be kind of, you know, people can nod and say, oh, there's Jason. He's got the new iPhone. If they ask to look at it, I, I probably, I might 
shake my head and say I can't really, or I might show it to them briefly, but it's a private conversation and then I walk away. But you got to, you know, you, the idea is um, you've got this for some extra time so that you can work on your review um, and have it and, and take your time with it. Um, you know, don't turn this into a media opportunity for you to be the first one to break, you know, the, the personal demo of this new device. So, you know, it's, it's the rules are shifting, I think, because Apple PR's approach may be shifting, but generally it's kind of common sense. So let's talk about the devices. So yeah, how, how have you been using them? Have you been just distributing your time between both? Cause this is different, right? Having two phones uh, to look at at once. Yeah, it is. It is different. I mean, I've done that before when I reviewed the iPads. Uh, when there's an iPad Air and an iPad Mini, right? I end up with two, and I think, okay, well, here we go, <laughs> right? You got to do a little bit of <laughs> <Right>. both. Um, <laughs> this is so it's a little different. I put my SIM card from my 5S in the six, um, and they 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 come with sample, you know, temporary SIM cards, so they've got cell access anyway. So I put that in my six. Uh, review unit so that I could get my phone number on it and I could actually use it. Um, you know, I set up, put in passwords and stuff on that. On the bigger one, I, I, you know, I can't have them both be my phone. Um, so that one, that one was still using the the demo SIM. Uh, you know, the the two week life, one month life uh, SIM card, and uh, and uh, yeah, and so I, I've used that some, but I probably used the smaller one more just because I feel like it's a better match for how I use my current iPhone. And I wanted to see that experience where the other one seems a little further away from my current frame of reference. Uh, so yeah, I try to use both of them. I, you know, I, I brought them with me to Portland for XOXO this past weekend and tried to use them there and on the train and, and just, uh, you know, get, get a sense of what it's like to live with these things in your pocket. And, and, uh, cause that's the most important thing is to pull, pull it out of your pocket and use it and, and, and see what's different and how it feels different. But you had some attention X, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you try to, you, like I said, fly casual. You're just like, don't, you're not trying to walk around going, hey, anybody want to see the iPhone 6? You don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, you don't want people taking pictures of you with it. You just, you don't want to do that. How big are these fonts? Like, I know people have shown, you know, been printing off PDFs. I've yeah. seen people carving them out of wood, out of wood to making yeah. them on 3D printers. But you actually have the thing that you use and you've, you've been using it. So, yeah. you know, it may be a certain size, but you know from use how big it feels when you're tapping buttons and turning the volume up and down. Is there a way that you can try and describe, compared to the 5S, what the 6 and the 6 Plus feel like to use from how the big they are? Yeah, uh, it, it's. I'm still, uh, you know, I'm still trying to process it. It, it. It's the six doesn't feel as shocking as you might think. It, it part of that is the curved edges. It's got a much more curved feel, um, like uh, the the iPads a little bit. I mean, it really is sort of like taking on this this other design language that's been coming back with Apple devices. The iPod Touch has a very curvy edge the iPads have a curvy edge and the iPhone since iPhone 4 has had the straight edge the you know 90 degree it's got the metal ring around it and these don't and so when you hold it in your hand uh the smaller one especially it it actually doesn't feel that much bigger because it's thinner and because it's curved on the edges and so I was expecting it to feel more kind of like dramatically oversized and you get used to that pretty quickly so um in that sense I don't think it's a big deal 
in another sense, though, I think once you start using it, you realize that um, you realize that it is bigger because every now and then I try to reach my 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 finger or my thumb to a faraway point, and it doesn't go like it used to and i i realize some of my body language has to change because it is bigger um and when you're trying to reach for something far away on the other side of the screen is when you really notice it compared to the plus well the plus uh there's no <laughs> there's no comparison i mean i can hold it in my hand and it feels uh it feels fine but it it is huge i mean it's huge it, I have tried to have an open mind to it. The bi- the big screen is nice. It's like half an iPad, and I have I have an iPad Mini, and it's not an iPad Mini, but it is uh, pushing upward toward an iPad Mini from an iPhone. It's still an iPhone, yeah. but it, it is it is really big. Uh, typing in landscape on the iPhone six plus. I actually ha- felt like I was stretching my thumbs to reach the letters in the center of the screen for thumb typing. Uh, it actually felt uh, like not – I'm used to sort of having my thumbs not stick straight. I could do it, but I didn't feel – it was kind of a long way. I was surprised. I'm like, wow, this is a really large, really wide held in that in that orientation, really wide uh, keyboard that I'm typing on now. And I, I thumb type on my on – my, uh, iPad mini too. So it's not like I'm not used to stretching my thumbs, but it it struck me that this is a large, this is a large device. It really is that you're going to notice how large it is. I think iPhone five users will get used to the six, uh, pretty quickly after a few days, your frame of reference will change a little bit. And I think it'll probably be fine. The, the the six plus is just a different beast. It's totally different. In the keynote, um, mentioned about the devices being curved did he mean? Uh, I haven't seen anybody really clarify this. Did he mean that the screens are curved, or just the edges? Are no, curved? just the edges. Just it, right. it, it's instead of having that chamfered edge, we all learned that word, and now it's useless because <laughs> it's not there anymore. It, it, instead of having that chamfered edge, where you've got the uh, the sort of ninety degree angle, and then there's the little edge part that's at the forty five degree angle that's all uh, shiny. Um, it, instead, it just uh, there glasses on the front, and then the there's a curved metal back plate, so it curves around to the back, and and as a result, when you hold it in your hand, you don't have those, you don't feel those, uh, you know, ninety degree angles mm-hmm. as much. Instead, what you get is this this uh, sort of smooth curve. So I, I actually think it's got a more pleasant. Uh, Hand feel is that a thing? Well, more more pleasant feel when you hold it in your hand. I don't know. Is it like mouth feel? Except it's hand feel, and suddenly we're cooking. Um, it, and it also reminds me of the original iPhone. I think this is the, um, the that had a curvy um, side thing, and this has got the same thing. So it, it's uh, it reminds me of that. Another thing that struck me about it is that the um, this is the first time on the iPhone that the camera has stuck out. Yeah, that seemed like a really. I'm surprised to have not seen more criticism of this because Apple didn't mention it. I wonder why. <laughs> yeah. This is something that you see lots of criticism that people levy towards Android phones, like mm-hmm. it has some like a lens or something that sticks out of the back. Right. Because t- so my the way that the, I I've had devices like this. I've used devices like this. And then when you lay it down on a desk and you press it, it rocks. I assume yeah. that the iPhone does that. It does a little bit depending on where you press. If you press right at the top, it's going to rock a little bit more. As you get further down, it's 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 really stable. It, it, it right. the the camera lens pushes out. It doesn't push out very far. It pushes just at the lens. There's not like a big bulge, 
but it is definitely a departure because it's not it's not a completely flat back. Now, I I never use my iPhone um while it's laying on a flat surface. I don't I don't do that. It's in my hand. But uh if you do, uh you'll you might notice a little bit of rocking. It's true. It's not it's not as severe as if the whole back was curved like on the the iPhone 3G, but um it is it is real because it is sticking out. It doesn't stick out very far either, but I think this is one of those cases where Apple just they wanted the product to be thin. They are obsessed with the product being as thin as possible, and it is thinner than any previous iPhone. But the laws of physics <laughs> require that you have some space for the optics in a camera, and they know how important having a good camera is. And they've you know spent a lot of time in the in the event talking about how great this new camera is. And those two things fight against each other, and so they finally decided to just kind of hold their breath and have it stick out and just deal with it did they need to shave those millimeters off do you think i don't know i mean i don't know about the weight. i mean the weight feels good and i wonder if it was thicker um would would it feel as comfortable in my hand if it was thicker and would it it weigh more because presumably if they made it thicker they'd they'd add more battery or something like that to it yeah um which wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing by the way but they they have a lot of variables that they're solving for. They're solving for battery life, and they're solving for lightness, and they're solving for thinness, and they're also solving for camera quality. And you make some tough choices, and you know they they seem to be comfortable with their battery life that they that they have on iPhones, which a lot of people aren't. But Apple seems to be comfortable with it, and uh, they they want it to be thin, and they sacrifice that completely flat back to also have the camera be good. Let's talk about the Retina HD screens. Um, does Retina HD mean anything, or is it just a marketing term? Like, can you see a difference in these screens and how they look, like the color reproduction, things like that? Uh, I, you know, I wear glasses. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, uh, I can't see much of a difference. Uh, we're talking about resolutions that are so high that they are the retina whole idea of the retina thing is that it's beyond our ability to perceive i mean if you if you zoom in or you have great vision and can look really closely you could probably tell some difference i think i mean it's a marketing term in fact i think it's sort of a redundant marketing term right i mean i i already retina is already hd i think but although this is (laughs) although this is is capable of you know 1080 uh, beyond 1080 but you know it's I don't know. They just wanted a marketing term that it's better than Retina, and so rather than say better than Retina, they say Retina HD. It, it's what they're doing that's interesting is that they're um, technically what they're doing is very much what happened with the Retina MacBook Pro. Which this is your prediction, by yes, the way. And bravo on nailed that one. it. <laughs> yeah, t- completely. Well, this seems to be so. Apple at some point decided high resolution screens don't need to be pixel perfect. Apple was a one to one pixel perfect company for a long time, and when the Retina MacBook Pro came out, and I remember uh, we actually uh, at WWDC we got one at, at MacWorld, and uh, we did a party that that day or the next day, and Marco Arment. Uh, took the Retina MacBook Pro and like was doing all this crazy stuff to it like during the party. And one of the things we found out is that if you take a screenshot on the Retina MacBook Pro, it's larger than the physical resolution of the screen. It's like, what is happening? And the answer is... <laughs> How is this possible? <laughs> Apple decided that the scaling in the GPU is so powerful and the screens are so high resolution that you're actually better off 
rendering your display at a larger resolution and then just scaling it to fit the screen. And back, anybody who was trained in the days of of, of uh, lower resolution flat panels, the idea that you would do anything but one-to-one, it's like you get a fuzzy screen because then it has to anti-alias everything on the screen and everything looks bad, everything looks fuzzy. Um, but what Apple found out when they were building the Retina MacBook Pro is that above a certain DPI, you can't tell that it's scaled because the anti-aliasing, the pixels that are fuzzy because they're actually between pixels, are so small as to be imperceptible to the human eye. And when you step back, it looks fine. And uh, that was the premise of the Retina MacBook Pro. That's what that, that machine does. And that's why you can change the size of what goes on the screen to a whole... There's like a slider. Um, in the... Uh, in in the iPhone six, that's what they're doing. Uh, certainly on the six plus, I'm not sure whether they're doing it on the on the regular six, but on the six plus for sure, um, that's what they're doing. Is they're scaling it at a large resolution, and then uh, and then scaling it down. They're, so they're drawing it big, scaling it down. Uh, you can't tell really, um, but this is it's going to make difference for developers because the rules have changed, have really changed. They're not one to one anymore, but. Um, you know, for users, it it uh, you're not going to be able to tell, and uh, it actually enables them to do some other interesting things. Like there's essentially a large print mode <laughs> in I forget what it's called in the iPhone six plus, where you can make it um, you can make just everything bigger. So you can opt to either have more information on this giant screen or just have it be like a regular iPhone screen, big. Like all the huh. words are big, all the icons are big, and that's all because now they're sort of free scaling it. They're happy to scale the screen to any number of you know ways you might do it, and so that's that's an interesting approach. So they're very much kind of like they've gone off the there's one X, and then there was like there's two X, uh, and but it's all p- pixel perfect. There's just four pixels there instead of one. Um, now they now we are living in a um, scaled display world for the iPhone. And so, yeah, it's going to be different. But the screens, the Retina HD, which is where we started with this, are are so high resolution that it lets them get away with it. Do you see any difference between the two? I mean, obviously, the the Plus has like a million more pixels. Um, <laughs> is, can you see any of those million? Like, when you put those phones next to each other, can you see that the that there is a... a you know, a, a more dense screen on the plus than there is on the on the six. I can't, but like I said, I wear glasses. I, I I think what you see is that they're more pixels because the thing is is huge. Yeah. Uh, in terms, I mean, if I hold them right up to my face, I, this is what I'm doing right now. I mean, I can't see the pixels on the smaller one, so I I certainly can't see them on the bigger one. Uh, but th- this is the so the question is why would you add pixel density when you can't see it? And this is the answer. The answer is you do it so that you can scale the screen in different ways and nobody can know nobody knows that you're scaling it because it's so high resolution. In fact, this is uh the other place where there's scaling is when um you're running an app that hasn't been modified to support the new screen sizes. This is what happens is it just gets scaled. And you can kind of tell that it's scaled if it's a if it's a bitmap resource, it's a it's a graphic or something versus text. But um you know, it looks pretty good. 
And the reason it looks good is that that high-resolution screen is so high-resolution that a lot of the artifacts that you would notice for scaling are too small to see, (laughs) and it all just kind of comes out in the wash. So I guess that's the rationale for having a super high-res or, uh, let's say, Retina HD screen is uh, is for scaling stuff and not because you're actually seeing those pixels. Because from, you know, if you've got even normal eyesight, you'd take a look and uh, you can't see the dots. You still can't see the dots. <laughs> so that's not any different. Should we ta- stop and talk about something, as Casey would say, something cool? Of course we should. Thank you so much for doing that. <laughs> it's episode one. We gotta, you know, we're learning here, but we do have sponsors. I don't want to forget our wonderful sponsors. This episode of Upgrade is brought to you by Igloo, the internet that you'll actually like. Igloo's internet works on any mobile device, including these new iPhones, the iPhone 6 and the iPhone 6 Plus. They've built their entire internet platform with responsive design, so you can do anything from reading a document to sharing a photo of your lunch to administrative tasks like managing your settings from any device and it's going to look fantastic. Igloo's document preview engine is fully HTML5 compatible, so if your teammate uploads a Word, Excel, or even JavaScript file, you can read it on any device without having to download the content or use a native app. This saves you on storage and also makes sure that your team is working on the same version of a document. Sally in accounts isn't downloading it to her Surface, and then Bob isn't downloading it to his iPhone, and they re-upload it later, and it's two different documents. That doesn't happen. Even new features, like Igloo's task management system, have been designed for speed and ease of use on your phone. You can very quickly create a task in just a few taps, and and very easily and quickly, of course, manage your task lists from wherever you are. Best of all, because Igloo's platform is so customizable, when you design your Igloo to look like your company's brand and you choose a fantastic layout, that design looks great and carries your brand onto every device. Make a change on a desktop, it shows up on the mobile instantly. It's a fast and fantastic way to create, share, and manage your work from wherever you choose to work. If you've used any kind of corporate internet like SharePoint, you're going to know how incredible this sounds to have the ability to use your corporate internet from, or just the internet that you use at work from your phone and it work fantastically. That's light years into the future. Igloo is free to use with up to 10 people and you can sign up instantly at igloosoftware.com slash upgrade. This is fantastic if you maybe work in a large company, you want to try something out, or maybe you work in a small company and just want to be more connected with your team. Igloo can help you. Thank you so much to Igloo for supporting Upgrade and all of Relay FM. Good job. That's first sponsor out of the way. Well done. Thank you. Ding. <laughs> I actually have a bow, but I'm going with that one instead. Okay. We have the A8. Yes. Um, as opposed to the A7. It's one more. Another it's A. It's one bigger. Yep. Uh is there any perceptible difference between the models? Uh, oh, perceptible. Why do you have to say perceptible? Uh, testably, yeah. <laughs> Te- testably, there are they are different. The um, the it's ex- it's actually exactly what we saw last year with the iPad Air and the uh, iPad Mini Retina, where we at the event we we all thought, oh, they're essentially the same specs. It isn't like an older chip or anything. In the Mini, they're the same. And then when it came time to test them, we realized, well, they're the same except that the uh, A7 running in the Mini was uh, was down was running at a lower clock speed, probably to save on battery. Um, this is the case now too. The iPhone 6 Plus is running at like 1.4 gigahertz, 
and the six is running at one point two gigahertz. So the six plus is faster uh, a bit than the six because it's running at a higher clock speed. So it's it perceptible. I don't know. I mean, it's really hard to tell. They they are um, they're really similar. They're really close. They're both they're both faster than the five S, but not. I would say not uh, hugely, hugely so. I'm sure there are ways where we're going to notice, but this is actually there was a really interesting chart at the event last week where they showed the incredible march of processor performance from from the original iPhone. And what we all noticed watching it was that used to be a chart that just kept accelerating. And uh, it didn't accelerate this time. It, it, no, it, it kind of seemed the, to... The curve has started curves, to bend the other yeah. way. Well, the yeah. last... The A7 was so much faster than the A6. It was dr- It was like twice as fast. It was dramatically faster. And it's, it's hard to keep that 32 to 64, up. right? That, that yeah. was the, the, the main reason for that, I see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and well, there's some other stuff too, but I mean, they, they it was a huge leap for them. And this time they didn't... The A8 doesn't make a huge leap. As far as we can tell, it is just faster. It is, I mean, they said it's like 20% faster. It is faster than the A7, but the it looks to me like the performance gains that they've been able to e- eke out um, as they've been growing the A processor line um, are slowing down now. That they're, they continue to, it's not like the processors are slower. The processors are still faster, but they're only, whatever, 20 or 30% faster instead of twice as fast. Uh, and so, yeah, that's a sign of something that that Apple maybe just that Apple couldn't keep up those speed increases because they were cr- they were really crazy for a while. I think they, that that team was eking out every possible last bit of performance. Um, what I, I thought was interesting is that they compared themselves to the competition and talked about how that they can run at those at those uh, faster rates for longer. And that is a uh, that is a way when you're comparing it to other devices that. Um, it can win, but um, you know, and it is totally faster than the iPhone 5s uh, with with the A7. That, there's no doubt about it. But it's only, um, you know, it's only whatever, only 20% faster. It's just it, it's it's good, but it's also interesting to note that it's not like they doubled it again. They did, the last time was a huge leap, and this is a a, a a more incremental push forward. You can't keep doubling it. Like eventually. You- it becomes too powerful, like not more ev- than probably, you can have Probably it. not every year. And yeah, yeah, well, that's the other thing is that they might be able to make it more powerful, but they also have to balance it with the fact that they've got a battery. And battery technology doesn't necessarily evolve as fast as chip technology does. And they power management is a huge part of what they're designing here because some of this is using less power or, or, or ramping up to those high speeds more efficiently so that they don't kill the battery. Because if you kill the battery, it doesn't matter how fast you, you go. So it's a tough balancing act. This is, this is some serious science. Um, but uh, but it is faster. They 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 are continuing their march. It's just it looks like maybe it's going to go at a little bit of a slower pace now because they've made up so much ground over the last few years. I mean, it is dramatic how much faster these devices have been than the than the ones four years ago even. Uh, but now it looks like it'll be a little bit little bit shorter march, a little bit slower march than before. On the graphics side, by the way, um, that's an interesting case where. You know, um, these screens have a lot of pixels, <laughs> and so right. you would actually you would actually expect that um, they would be 
uh, it would be hard for them to keep up with a smaller display. Um, and that actually is not the case. Um, these devices gra- are, are the graphics abilities on these is pretty impressive because they're able to um, eke out really great benchmark scores with, um, you know, I don't know if there's some scaling going on or if it's at full resolution or what, but the graphics power in these things is amazing. They they have definitely cranked up the graphics power. And that's something that's hard to pick up because um, they have a bigger screen. It's not like a Mac where you can plug it into the same screen and run all the tests. They have a bigger screen, so they have more pixels to draw or or scale or whatever. And every time you make a bigger screen, you have to improve the graphics performance or it's going to slow down because it has to draw all those extra pixels. And um, Apple's not kidding when they said that the graphics performance is is, is up because it is. I, I, you know, I ran some tests and it's... Uh, yeah, they 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 put in the horsepower to draw these on these giant displays and scale and all of those things. And the result for a regular person is uh, they still work like an iPhone. They don't feel slower. They probably feel faster if you really paid attention. Is there any indication that there's more RAM in these devices? Ah, uh, how much how much RAM? I think not. I mean, I I I need to do some more investigating there. But when I ran, um when I ran Geekbench on them all, they all reported basically um, a, a gig. All right, because I think that's what the 5S had. So I, and, and, the, and yeah, when I ran that number on the, on the uh, 6, the 6 Plus and the 5S, they all gave me essentially the same response. So I think, I think not. I could be wrong because one of the challenges of using benchmark t- apps um, when a, a product isn't out yet is there may be bugs. <laughs> Because <laughs> the benchmark sure. people need to look at the new product and find ways that they can uh, make sure it's testing things appropriately. Where I have to sort of do some tests uh, on my own, but yeah, they seem they seem to have the same amount of memory as the five S does. Like you didn't notice that you could have more Safari tabs open, or like, there wasn't anything really noticeable that you've seen that would suggest this. I didn't try to open a billion Safari tabs, which I probably should do, <laughs> but uh, it seemed to be pretty much pretty much the same can we talk about the interface additions a little bit sure so there's obviously there is a few more of these on the plus um and i'm i'm personally really interested in the keyboard Mm -hmm. yes keyboard is one of the big changes with these models that they're picking up some features that are turns out are ios 8 features that we didn't know about because there wasn't a uh, uh, device that could use them and now here they are so so is it just the plus that has these additional keyboard features? No. Right. Oh. No, in fact, so so on both of these when you're in portrait mode, what you get is a keyboard. It is the keyboard you would expect. However, it, one of the nice things about it, I'm opening them on both of them, them right now. One of the nice things about it is that the uh the keyboard is bigger. Hmm. Like the keys are bigger in portrait mode. So even though it's just the same old keyboard, um, the keys are larger, and having more room to hit those keys, it really does help. It, on on the plus, especially that is a that is a pretty big keyboard. It's not quite iPad <laughs> size, but you know you've got more room to hit those letters uh, and not not hit the one next to them. Um, but it, it's it's the familiar keyboard, and obviously in iOS eight, you're going to be able to swap that out for a different keyboard. But in landscape is where is where the situation totally changes. Um, they have, are taking advantage of the extra width on these displays to add um, extra keys 
on the on the sides. So basically, the six gets an extra column of keys on either side of the keyboard, and the six plus gets two extra columns of keys on either side of the keyboard. So with a with a default keyboard, and again, you can switch it out for something else. So on the six, um, what happens is the microphone, an undo button, a comma, and emojis <laughs> are on the left side. I imagine that for other people who don't speak in emoji, that would be the international button. I speak in emoji. And sure. on the right side, you get a uh, back and previous cursor button and a period. And then also the expand and, and hide keyboard uh, button is over there. So that those are back that 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 back and previous that moves the cursor because they they didn't mention it in the keynote and I have been dying to know. Yeah, that's the, so it that's, moves the cursor back and forth. Moves the cursor. Hmm. Yep. So a little that's cursor action, just one one uh, you know, just it's literally moves the cursor back or forward for editing purposes. Now on the plus, it gets even crazier. Um, on the plus, you get a uh, there's a a cut copy and paste button so there's each each there are three buttons there's little scissors a little sort of like box with an a with another one behind it and a a bottle of paste i guess it's kind of funny <laughs> kind of literal um but you got to do something so th there there are those so you can literally you know select some text copy move somewhere else press paste and it does all of that there's a bold button ah uh -huh. um which will bold, bold your text like you think. Uh, somebody at Apple hates italics because there is not an italics button. Uh, undo, microphone, emoji. And then on the right side, you've got left and right. And now it's got exclamation point, question mark, period, and comma over there. Huh. So it's uh, trying, obviously, I mean, they've been thinking about what common uses are when you're in uh, when you're in the keyboard mode and these are the things that they think are, are most common to float to the top level. And you can still, you know, flick over to symbols and numbers and things like that, but they brought a lot of this stuff up to the top. So, so yeah, there's a lot there on the plus, but even on the, uh, even on the regular six, you've got, you know, undo period comma and some cursor movement happening. You mentioned earlier about the, the, it hurting to kind of use to fun type on the six plus, right? To get uh, to it doesn't hurt, but you can feel that you're reaching further and that it's it's further out of sort of what you're used to when you're typing. A lot, my thumbs are lazy; they 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 don't like to travel far. So, so two two questions: um, is it is it too, still too small to kind of do any hunt and peck typing? Like, if you put it down on the table, is are the keys there? too small to, to do that kind of typing with? Um, I don't know how you type. <laughs> I wouldn't... Uh, my iPad method for typing uh, with two hands would not work on these. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're, it's too small for that. I think... Um, yeah, I think thumb typing or holding it in one hand and poking with the other finger on the other hand are probably better input methods. But who knows? I think I think you could... Um, I think you'd need to not use your thumbs because that's what always what I want to do with um, the iPad keyboard is is space with my thumb, and there's just no room on this. I you just hit whatever is below the phone. <laughs> it's just you can't. It's just it's a little too compact because it still needs to show the upper part of the screen so you can see the content. So it's it's wide, but it's not super tall. It's just wide. And is it possible to get a split keyboard? 
That is a great question. I don't think so. I'm actually trying that right now. Try pinching apart. So the the way that you can do this on the iPad, I didn't know. If you just put like two fingers in the middle of the keyboard and just pull it apart, it will split on the iPad. Doesn't work. Okay, that's interesting to me that they have not done that. Nice try. Because, well, th- this is the thing: is they they made some very interesting choices about wh- how iPad-y, especially the Plus, is, and how iPhone-y it is. And and every time I think it's going to behave like an iPad, it it, it basically doesn't. It it has a layout that is sort of like it reminiscent of the iPad in the sense that you can um, you can uh, have a column on the left for your mail and show the mail on the right, which we've only seen on the iPad up to now, but. Below that, uh, you know, it's still not the iPad. And there are lots of other changes that don't, they're, they're you know, it's an iPhone. It reminds you, like, no, this is an iPhone. I'm not going to let you do these crazy iPad things that you, you think the iPad should do. Because I'm not an iPhone. Or I'm not an iPad. I'm an iPhone. So um, it's oh. funny. It's <laughs> it's huh. just just enough to make you start thinking, oh, this is like the iPad. And then you realize, no, it's not. So let's talk about that then, because I'm super interested in this. So... They showed on stage some of the Apple apps taking advantage of the additional screen real estate and showing some more iPad-like assets. Is this just on the Plus or is this on both? So like showing messages with the split pane view and things like that. That is – so apparently there's a uh, a concept in uh, the UI now that's something like a large-sized display – um, for phones, um, and it's like responsive design on the web, where yeah. below a certain size it uses A, and above it it uses B, and the plus is above it in landscape, and the right. six is not, and so almost nothing. Um, there, there's a whole class of features that only exist on the plus. So the in in the notes or settings or or mail app. If you on the plus, if you put uh, the phone on its side, you will get that extra column on the left. That doesn't happen on the phone. Uh, the the regular iPhone six doesn't happen. It's it's just like your iPhone today. It it doesn't, and that's so the break point is in there somewhere between um, the little the the little. <laughs> I keep saying it's a little phone, and it's not because it's bigger than the iPhone now. <laughs> but, you know, the smaller of the two. Um, and the larger of the two has all of this. So, so not only does it do things like putting the column there, it's got a landscape. Um, it's got a landscape springboard, the 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 mm-hmm. home screen, which no phone, no iPhone has had before. And what's e- even wackier about that is that because this is a sixteen by nine device instead of a four by three device like the iPads, the dock rotates. The dock is on the right side of your screen with the items in the dock stacked. It's crazy. <laughs> so uh, that's very interesting. And, and the animation for that is actually really funny, just on the plus, um, where when you rotate it, it's like the dock goes away and then uh, has obviously it's run behind your phone and it goes all the way back to the other side and then it pops <laughs> in on the other side. It's very strange. Hey, buddy. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> here <Hey>. I am. <laughs> what? Did something happen? I'm right here. Uh, but so yeah, so a lot of these tricks are only on the plus. The the plus is a weird new device that is uh, between what we think of as an iPhone today and uh, and the iPad. But it's not either. 
it's following some rules that are uh, that are in between. And for developers, especially, that's going to be a challenge because they're going to need to think, you know, what is my uh, and Apple's provided the tools for them to do this, but they've got to think what are, what am I going to do in these different device sizes? What do I want the behavior to be? And and uh, I think Apple has obviously given them some guidance by making some decisions on on its apps, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how other developers use it because it's not you know it's like a really really tiny iPad, and sometimes that will be good enough, and other times you'll be like you know it's too cramped, and you should just use your iPhone layout because. Uh, it's just there's too much stuff on that screen. Even though it's a big screen, it's not the size of an iPad. So uh, I'm going to assume, but I want to ask the question anyway to make sure, that current universal apps do not um, show you the, this this iPad view. I'm, I'm assuming that right. they have to be like iOS 8 developed with the new sort of layout stuff. Yeah iPad apps are iPad apps, and so they don't run on an iPhone. They do, they don't run on an iPhone. If it's an iPad only app, that's not the point. It, it, this is an iPhone, um, and so it will run in iPhone mode if it's a universal app. And if it hasn't been updated, they they will scale it up. And like I said before, and the scaling up looks okay. They don't letterbox it or anything. These are all sixteen by nine devices, even the five S, right, and the five. So they will all just scale. Until they get updated to support the larger screen sizes, and you know that's it. And and for iPad app developers, they're going to have to make the decision: Do I want to make an iPhone version? I don't think they have the ability to make a version that only runs on the Plus. I think they have to commit to doing an iPhone version of their app and then decide what shows up in these various places. So it's going to be a challenge for people who've really segregated the iPhone and the iPad. If they've got both versions, they can just make their iPhone version maybe inherit some of the features. If they've only done iPad, but they want to be on the iPhone uh, 6 Plus, they're going to need to do an iPhone version of their app because that's how they're going to that's how they're going to get it. So it's funny. It is it is the um it's the biggest wrinkle in being an iOS user and especially for developers since the iPad came out because this is the you know a totally different class of device that's in between the other two. So my my concern is that <clears throat> excuse me, my concern is that there's going to be an issue with the with this it, i i feel like many developers will choose the six um as, as i think many people i think in our little bubble will choose the six and not the six plus yeah so my concern would be that there won't be as as uh, there won't be enough um dedicated development to take advantage of that screen size like in the way that especially since ios 7 it seems really that the ipad development has slowed down right um I'm my concern is that there won't be enough like advantage taken of these of this larger display. Do you I mean I know it's so early, but do you have any sort of feel for that? You know, I think obviously good developers, developers who really care about this stuff, they're going to buy one of these just because they're going to want to have it for reference. And yes, you can also develop in the simulator. The, the the simulator will simulate this device, and you can see this is how it looks on this device versus this other device. But uh, um, but in reality, uh, let's be honest, the thing that you carry around with you in your pocket every day is going to be the most influential device. 
It's going to be. If you're if you're a developer, it's going to be the most influential device. So you might even have a 6 Plus around, but if you, the 6 is the one that's in your pocket all the time, it can't – even the most conscientious developer has to fight against the idea that it's an afterthought because it's not their daily use. Uh, that said, I do think a lot of developers are going to say, oh, this is great. I can take this, these decisions that I made for my iPad uh, layouts – and apply them. And in addition to that, I also will do, you know, all the other things you need to do to make, uh, to support these other sizes and, and have, uh, some scalable layouts instead of pixel perfect layouts. Uh, you know, they probably want to do that anyway, right? Because they don't want to have a scaled up, uh, iPhone app on the six. And if they're doing that and they've got some previous iPad work, they could probably put it together, but that is an extra direction to go. And depending on how well this sells, um, they might not choose to do it, especially, I mean, you talk about the context that you live in. I mean, not only, it's not just the phone in your pocket, it's the country that you live in. Um, and, uh, I live in the United States of America, by the way, Mike. Yeehaw. No comment. Okay. <laughs> um, actually, I'm sorry. I live in the state of California, Mike. <laughs> it's oh, where right. we're our own, it's our the US out of state. California. A- anyway. Yeah. Um, so like, this phone's going to sell really well in Asia. Large the the Galaxy Note has has shown, and its ilk has shown that uh, in Asia there's a huge market for giant phones. Uh, not so much in the West, but in Asia there's a huge market for giant phones, and there are a few reasons for that. I actually talked to some people at Apple about this, and and they they acknowledge that this is true. And and there there's some reasons. Some some people in Asia are single device people. They don't have a computer, they don't have a tablet, they have a phone. And if the phone is their only computing device, they want it to be big because they want to do everything on it. And having a bigger device is better than having a little tiny device if it's your only device. And there was also uh, – it also is a status symbol in in a lot of Asian co- countries and cultures. Apparently, this is what I hear, um, it, you know, bigger is better. This is probably also true in Texas. I don't know. But the idea like <laughs> my phone is the big phone, right? I got the big – look at me. I got the hugest phone. And um, you know, other other cultures are like, "Whoa, I'm just going to get a tablet if I want that. I don't, I, I don't want a huge phone." So, my point is, developers who are serving those markets where lo- this device is going to sell really well, those are the ones who are going to need to pay the most attention to it. So, you may see, you know, apps that sell really well in Asia going crazy over this and taking full advantage of it, and apps that really sell best in the United States and Europe not. Uh, we'll have to see, but um, that might be something interesting to watch where the really Asia savvy apps rush in to support the iPhone 6 plus, because I think it will, you know, I imagine it will follow the pattern of phone sales up to now, which is that in areas where big phones are popular, this will be popular. Purely anecdotal in the UK where you don't see someone with an iPhone they tend to have a large Samsung phone, like a Note or one of the the new S5s, which is approaching right. that sort of five-inch size. Well, it makes sense, right? I mean, th- that's an option that Apple doesn't offer. <laughs> so if you want a big phone, you need to buy a, a giant Samsung phone. So and far. also, I see especially the Note uh, far more in use by women than men. I've heard, I've heard, I mean, everybody's got... Everybody's different, Their own right? But, thing. Yeah. but that that scenario is a scenario that sort of makes sense. Um, I've heard some women say, "Look, I want a small phone because I I 
you know, I want to hold it in my hand and I, I have small hands and I can't hold that giant phone in my hand. But I've also heard women say, look, I don't have pockets. I carry it in my bag. I'm fine using it two handed when I pull it out of my purse or whatever. Um, so why would I not want a big phone? Because, you know, so, so I can see both scenarios, right? I mean, some women um, want it to be uh, a small phone that they can have in their pockets or they can have with them and hold it in one hand. And, and, and that's how they, that's how they work. That's how they use the the device. And other women are freed by the fact that they've got a bag already that, so they don't have to worry about the size of the phone and the way they use their device is conducive to having it be very large. So there are a few different use cases here, but you know, both of them make sense to me. It t- totally makes sense that if you don't have to worry about having something gigantic in your pocket because you, you're, you have small pockets or no pockets, then, you know, why not? So I, I want to talk about reachability. This one, th- one oh, I, yes. I, I want to get your idea on the, on the name. <laughs> but we'll come, to, we'll come to that in a moment. Uh, but first off, I just want to take a quick moment to thank our second sponsor, for this week's, episode. <laughs> this week's episode. Now we're rolling. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's our friends at Smile, and I want to talk about Text Expander today. So you should know about Text Expander, but if you don't, let me tell you about it. If you ever type the same sentences, you've got some phrases, words, little things that you're typing on a regular basis, you need to have Text Expander in your life. It, it allows you to save time and effort by expanding like short abbreviations that you set into frequently used text or even pictures, there's some forms that you can fill in and it gives you little drop-ups, oh, pop-ups, oh, I want to put this in here, this in here, this in here. It's incredible. I'll tell you a little bit about some more of those things in a moment. Whether it's something as simple as an email signature or maybe you have several paragraphs of a standard response, um, you can have these fantastic snippets set up to activate them. And this allows you to use Text Expander so you avoid having to type the same thing over and over and over again. Maybe you frequently fill in some forms with the same information. Well, you can make this super simple by creating a fill-in snippet. So in just a couple of keystrokes, you can have a form filled in in seconds that may have taken you minutes before. So let's say, for example, that you fill in some sort of shipping information frequently. You could type something in like SSHIP and it will just go fill in the whole form for you. It's fantastic. You can sync all of your snippets via Dropbox and you can use them on multiple devices with Text Expander Touch on iOS. This means that all of your snippets are going to stay in sync on all of your devices. You can access your Text Expander snippets inside Smiles iOS app, Text Expander Touch. Or you can enable it in the over 60-plus applications in the the, uh, iOS App Store that have integrated snippets in them. This includes some fantastic apps and some of my favorites like uh, Omni Outliner 2, Day 1, Fantastic How 2, Drafts, Launch Center Pro, Editorial, and so many more. And Text Expander Touch on iOS is about to get a lot more powerful. Text Expander Touch 3, which is going to be launching with iOS 8, adds a custom keyboard so that you can expand your abbreviations inside of any application. So this gives you the power of Text Expander anywhere, whether developers have implemented it into their apps or not. Text Expander is one of the first apps I install on all of my devices. It's just part of what makes my Mac work properly. If I don't have Text Expander or I've quit Text Expander randomly, I think something is broken. I am totally lost about it. Relying on Text Expander to help me save time has become a huge part of how I get work done. Even simple things like writing out the show names. Instead of typing upgrade, I type 
UUP and it just fills it in. And you get into these like just patterns and the and I'm so excited about the text expander keyboard because I very frequently on my iPhone will type things in and I don't I haven't set up all of the snippets that I have in Text Expander in the iOS one. So being able to just flick off to that keyboard and just have all of my snippets at hand is gonna be awesome. You can learn more about Text Expander at smilesoftware.com slash upgrade and Text Expander Touch is available on the App Store. Thank you so much to Smile for their support of this show. Well done. Reachability. Reachability. Why did they you call got it reachability, this? Mike? <laughs> I wish I did. <laughs> so it works by double tapping the home button, right? Like tapping, not clicking or pressing. Right. So the home button, you know, it's Touch ID, which means it can tell when you're touching it. So it's like a little like a trackpad where you don't have to depress it for it to know that you're touching it. And therefore, they've turned that into a gesture where if you on, on either phone, if you double tap on the home button, everything slides down. Like toward your thumb, basically. So on on the uh, in the springboard, it it slides the. It's funny. It's just scrolls the apps down. They just all kind of slide down. The whole screen doesn't come down. Just the apps slide down. Huh. But in most apps, what happens is it's like somebody took your screen and just like pulled like a like a um, like a roll up uh, window shade. They just kind of pull it pull it down toward your thumb halfway. And the idea there is then you can touch something that's on the top part of the screen and. And when it registers that touch, then it all slides back up and it goes on its merry way. How quickly does this animation occur? Uh, like, does it, like, all the way go down? Does it, like, have some animation where the phone, like, it brings everything down to you, like a shade or something? Well, yeah, it slides down. Yeah. It doesn't, It doesn't like, pop down. It slides down. It's mm-hmm. pretty fast, okay. but it's definitely an animation. And then what's left above it is sort of this void <laughs> it's not it's not black i think maybe it is it but it's a it's a mysterious void it's not your backdrop it's not your lock screen thing i think i think it's a uh, just a mysterious void it surprised me to see that because the, that black background seems to go against some of the work they set out of ios 7 like the layers yeah it feels like there should be at least, I mean, um, it probably doesn't look great, which is probably why I didn't do it, but like the transparent layer of your home screen back there, you know? Right, right. There's the logic question of what what is, what's behind there. And they've decided to just keep it simple and have it be nothing. Nothing's behind there. But you're right. If, if we can see translucency, perhaps the home screen should be back there all grayed out. You know, all all blurred out, yeah. like we're watching it through a layer of glass. Well, and- like when you go into multitasking, the way it looks there, you know, you see you see the, your background sort of blurred out, like behind the frosted glass look. I, I just expected it to look like that as opposed to just a black emptiness. <laughs> um, I have one very specific question. When you're in an application and you tap the, sta- the status bar, sometimes well, in most good apps it will jump to the top of the content does this work with reachability oh man that's a great question <laughs> you can like open tweet about that or something that's why i like that's why i like you so much is that you ask these great questions well that was actually yes, something that federico works. asked on unconnected oh. so i'm i'm pulling i'm just pulling that question in for him now so it does work it brings it to the top and then i assume it snaps back up uh yeah Actually, let me let me see. I I think it doesn't snap back. It generally, when you interact with this, it snaps back up. No, in fact, 
uh, well, it snaps back up after a moment's pause. So I wonder, I think maybe it's waiting um, to see if you want to do something else at the top. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. So that's good. There, it, it, that's the right. And if, if after a second or so you do new interaction, it just slides the whole thing back up. But yeah, you have to, you have to. I think get it right. I think if you if you if it's down a little bit too much, um, I think it won't work. But this is one of the funny things about the reachability is it does. If you tap in the in the in the black void, it goes away. Um, but if you tap right at the top, it does like you tap the menu bar and yes, you can do full interaction anywhere on that screen, that portion of the screen that's there, uh, using reachability. And while you're interacting, um, it seems to, uh, keep the reachability mode except when it doesn't. And this is one of the things that actually, I think they're going to need to work out over time is sometimes I tap something and right away, um, reachability is over (laughs) and other times it waits to see if I want to do more and then it finishes and slides mm. everything back up. And I cannot figure out why it does one and not the other. That is strange. Um, and I, I suspect it's, I suspect it's just the software is inconsistent about that. Cause really when I press a back button, it should stay in reachability mode and let me keep on, you know, press it a couple more times and do whatever. And, and it doesn't seem to do that. It seems sometimes it's like, okay, you press something, I'm done right away instead of, um, do you want to scroll now? You know, do you want to press this button again? Um, so it's, it's a brand new feature, right? And, and hasn't gone through the broad developer beta testing that the rest of iOS 8 has. So it's, uh, it's, it's a clever way to approach this, but, um, it's not entirely consistent, I think. Yeah. I think I, I called it something strange, like, um, I, I kind of coined this really weird phrase, which some people have found peculiar. Um, an, an elegant solution to an ele- inelegant problem. Huh. So, like, you, you, I think, you know, really, you'd usually say, like, an elegant solution to an impractical problem or something like that. But it, it to me, just feels like it's it's a nice way of doing something that is otherwise really awkward. Like it doesn't feel like it's it's there is no perfect thing here. But what they've done is create something that gets over what is an actual problem with these display sizes. But it's not perfect. I talked to Gruber about this a little bit on the talk show when I was on with him right before the event, and we we were both kind of scratching our heads. Like, how do you? It, it's exactly how you described it. This is a problem because human hands, unless you're Craig Hockenberry, <laughs> human hands cannot reach across this giant phone. They can't. You, unless you are a basketball player, unless you are somebody with enormous hands, it's just it's too far. You gotta if you want to use it one handed, which oftentimes we do. People not not always, but a lot of people use iPhones with one hand a lot of times, and. So how do you solve that? And and do you have like a virtual finger or I mean there's and so yeah reachability is weird but it's it's interesting to think about um you know it's either that or you create gestures or you just make sure that there's nothing tabbable at the top of the screen. And one of the things I like about iOS 7 is that they added that swipe back gesture where if you swipe from the left side of the screen it just goes back. You don't need to tap the back button. And it's a gesture, so not everybody even knows that it's there. But once you learn it, it's really convenient. Yeah. And, you know, so I, I think that's good. You don't have to use reachability to get to get back to the previous screen. But, um, but yeah, I think, you, I think you nailed it. It is not a particularly 
great solution, but it's better than not having one and saying like literally, uh, sorry, you're going to need to use your other hand for this one. I mean, that's a Gruber was talking about like, maybe they scale it down. Cause that was the Brian Chen, uh, in the New York times had this story about, a, a, a about this feature essentially, but it was kind of vague. It was like, does everything scale down? They could do that. We know that they can scale the UI really well. That would be the other way to go is to literally just shrink everything down. And they probably tested that and decided that that was, um, maybe problematic or favored left-handers over right-handers. Although with a gyroscope, you could probably tell what way the phone was tilting and where the thumb was going to come from. I don't know. Um, so yeah, it's, I don't know if I'm going to use it. I mean, every now and then I think like, oh yeah, reachability. And Apple seems to think the people who I talked to at Apple seem to think that this is something you just get used to, that it becomes second nature. Like, like that swipe backward that you, you tap a couple of times and tap it and go on with your life. And it's like, it's the uh, to put it in Futurama terms. It's the thing thing longener. It's the this makes my finger longer. That's a it's stupid invention, but it in, in this case having it is uh, is better than not having it. I don't know. Did you watch Futurama? Yeah. I Do you remember the thing longener? No, I don't remember that. No. Okay, it's one of like like the uh, smelloscope. It was one of Professor Farnsworth's lesser inventions. <laughs> kind of pointless to have. It makes your finger longer. But um, that's totally what's happening here. Is you got to do something, right? You, yeah. You, people use phones one handed, and the thing is too huge. Even even the six regular six is kind of too big, and that's why it's on that that phone too. Even the five and the five S are a little bit large if you've got small hands. So, do you have any any specific opinions about the camera? Because uh, I know like, this sort of thing, like as for me, it, it, the camera, the camera features are fantastic, but most of the time I don't use them, or I can't really tell. Right? Do you do you I, have I, any feeling going, on it? My feeling is that they're better, and Apple is not kidding. Apple knows that that's a, an important feature. That they're better. The st- the optical stabilization in the bigger one is a great idea. Um, you know, the cameras have come so far. Um, I wonder how far they can go without some serious uh, changes to the hardware. We're already seeing it with the camera sticking out a little bit. At some point, the size of the camera is going to be the issue. And I start to wonder if the next phase for Apple is going to be some mechanics to like literally pop the camera out when you're taking a picture and then draw it back in. Because at some point, that's going to be the problem is that they literally they need more depth than the phone has uh, and we're already there, but it could get worse. Um, But they, you know, I like that Apple really puts an effort into, into cameras. I no longer reluctantly take a picture with my, my iPhone camera, even with the five S I don't avoid it because I know how good the pictures are going to look and they might not look as great as an SLR, but there, it isn't worth it to go get the SLR (laughs) because the, the phone is, is great. So, yeah, I mean, every time they do this, the the cameras are better, and the uh, what I've really been impressed by is the way that they've they've handled focusing. I'd say even more for video than for stills. They they made a big deal in the event of these focus pixels, and the idea there that they're able to through the hardware working with the software, very Apple, um, do something that uh, generally was available on on things like SLRs before, which is um, use the focus. Um, uh, of the light to determine where the focus point of the image should be. 
Um, and that's great because focusing better and faster is good. What really has impressed me, especially with the samples they showed at the keynote, is um, the ability to move through a bunch of focus areas um, and have it feel natural. Um, right. And some of that is the using that technology and some of that is the software a lot of video focus is instantaneous. It's like, boop, you know, we can go from A to B, so we just jump there. And as somebody who's used to watching TV and movies, they don't do that. They they move physically, even if there's no physical focus ring, they move from one focus point to another. And what impressed me about the the video samples, especially at the event, is they they actually have... I mean, they're demos, right? But they're very impressive demos that somebody puts something close to the camera and pulls it away and the focus follows them. And it doesn't huh. wait and then snap back. It yeah. actually follows them. And that's impressive because video has video focusing. It's actually one of the reasons why I, I, I'm always reluctant to use my iPhone 5 to shoot videos, uh, especially like that I'm going to show professionally, is because, you know, the focusing is is crappy. <laughs> Battery life. Please tell me <laughs> that we have good battery life on these devices. So one of the problems uh, with testing a, a new iPhone is that battery testing takes forever and For sure. you can't use the phone when you're doing it, essentially, because it's got to run. So I don't have quantified lab-based battery life answers for this. Um, Apple's claims, which I think, you know... One of the things I said on, on Gruber's show also was the idea that Apple solves for a certain battery life. There's a certain amount of battery life that Apple thinks is appropriate for an iPhone. And with the 6, they did that again. I mean, it's it's they're claiming slightly better battery life than the 5S, but they're not claiming dramatically better battery life. Apple seems to think that's how much, however much that is, that's how much battery life a phone should have. And if you're somebody who runs out of battery all the time on your iPhone, that's frustrating. Apple's just decided that most people, for most people, it's enough, and that for the people it's not enough, they can get a case or they can have a little backup battery, you know, ready to to plug into the charger when they need to, which is what I do. I, I mostly don't need it. And when I do, I have a little Kensington um, battery with a USB port, and I just plug my iPhone charger into it. And in about 20 minutes, it sucks all the power out of the battery, and the phone's back at charge. And that's what I use when I'm traveling and things like that. So obviously, Apple has decided that's that's what they want to do. And I know that frustrates some people, but they think that's okay. Mm. And as far as I can tell, the 6, you know, that's, that's the truth of the 6. is It's got battery life like an iPhone because Apple makes them all roughly have the same battery life the the amount of power they consume changes the amounts of uh, battery capacity change but in the end apple does the math to get them to to work to 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 meet that like goal of essentially 10 10 or 11 hours of of uh of usage time um and then the plus has a bigger battery and even though it uses more power because it's got a bigger screen it's got a, a bigger enough battery that apple seemed confident in giving it a few more hours of uh of time so it'll last longer um it's not like you're you know it's not a razor max or a, or a droid max or whatever it is those with two x's those giant android phones with huge batteries yep. it's not that but it's got more life than the the smaller device because they're able to lay that much more battery in there um so it'll last a little bit longer but people who are dreaming of apple making a 25 hour life phone I don't think it's going to happen for a long time unless there's a huge breakthrough in, in uh, either low-power chips or uh, amazing battery technology because Apple 
is not willing to make the size trade-off to load a giant battery in there. And they think better that you make the trade-off by sticking a case on it or that you, uh, you, you know, do what I do, which is just carry an emergency battery to charge it up when you need it. I'm just going to keep waiting for those graphene batteries, right? Oh, yeah. It's like fusion power. Ba- fusion power and amazing battery technology are always just, you know, 30 years away. <laughs> and they never, they never, never get any closer. Very, this is a kind of random question, and, and this is served just because it's something that I care about, but I don't know if a lot of people do. You might, actually. The speaker quality, um, like the, the loudspeaker, uh, I use it sometimes to listen to podcasts. I, I have a jam box, but sometimes you know, in a pinch I will listen to it. I will listen to like Total Party Kill um, whilst I'm cooking uh-huh. pasta on Thursdays, right? And uh, I, I, it's a very uh, common thing. People cook pasta while listening to people playing Dungeons and Dragons. It happens very to me common. quite a lot, actually, which is kind of peculiar. Um, well, I always listen to John Syracuse's uh, hypercritical podcast while I mowed the lawn. And, and now I mow the lawn and I feel the absence of hypercritical. Whatever podcast I listen to, it's just not the same. That was our special time. And he ruined we it. We mowed the lawn together, <laughs> me and John and Dan. We mowed the lawn together. I did most of the work. They did most of the talking. And uh, it's funny. I mean, that's that's one of the things I love about podcasting is you kind of fit it into your life in certain ways. And I don't know about the speaker quality of these things. I, I, I need to test that more. Um, it, I think I think it's better. I think that the Plus has a has a uh, a nice loud speaker. I know Apple talked about that at one point, of that, that this is a, a fairly good – I mean, it's never going to be – the same as having a big speaker, but that that it, it, they've got a little more room in the plus, especially. But I got to say, I, I I I'm not ready to make a call or a judgment on that quite yet. I need to I need to spend some time annoying people with loud sounds on my phones first before I do. That. My last question. I'll get back to you. Yeah, please do. Fortunately, we have uh, episode two for follow up. I've never done a podcast where I've been able to do follow up before. So, oh, uh, we're going to do so much follow up. You, you won't even. Oh man, you won't even be able to contain yourself, Jason. It's just be all follow up. Where do people go to leave us feedback? By the way, since we're talking about follow up, oh, so there's a few different places actually. You can go where, where we have our show notes, which is relay.fm/upgrade/one, and you can click the little button and send us an email. Um, which reminds me, I need to ask if you want to receive that email, uh, and also I do. Like, Excellent. I, I volunteer as one of those hosts who will receive it in email, yes. Oh, that's so good. I love getting follow-up. We can't Great. do follow-up on The Incomparable because the panel changes all the time. So I'll have, like, no John Syracuse on, and all the follow-up will be, what did John Syracuse say? Why did he say that? And he's not there to defend himself. And this is exciting because we can actually, like, week to week answer people's questions. It's not that, like I don't love the feedback. It's just that on my other shows... It doesn't fit. I can't do anything with it. So, like, you're not going to do the, to the Doctor Who follow up and the Guardians of the Galaxy episode. Like, it doesn't make exactly. sense. Exactly. It doesn't make any sense. And the people who talked about the one thing aren't there for the other thing. And, you know, but we'll be here for episode two. So it's fine. Also, Twitter is a great place. Uh, Jason is at JasonL, J S N E L And I'm I Mike, I M Y K E. Someone makes, someone needs to make us a fancy song that, that speaks those names. Mm, that's nice. I, I do love on on analog how uh, you always describe Casey's uh, Twitter account using the song from. I can't help it. Podcast. I cannot help it. So yes, please send in your follow up feedback questions. We would love to receive them. So my my last question for you um, is: Which phone are you going to buy? I, th- I I feel like I know the answer, but which phone are you going to buy? The six. Yeah. Um. And f- and yeah. 
the six. I, I, I toyed with the idea of the six plus because I am an iPad mini user. I have an iPad mini with retina and I love it. And I, I have an 11 inch MacBook air. So, so I like, I like small things. And so the, this is the question of, do I want the smallest phone then? Or do I want a phone so big that I don't even need the iPad mini anymore? I can get, you know, an even smaller iPad and the, the you know, the six plus is not a smaller iPad. It is a bigger iPhone. It is, it, it is, um, compared to my mini, I would prefer in all those scenarios where I have to choose between using my phone or my iPad, the six plus doesn't change the equation. It's still, if I'm in that scenario, I want to use my iPad. So I could see if, if you literally only have one device, it makes sense. Um, but I have, I have an iPad and I really like it and it doesn't fill it, fill that need for me. So, so the six makes more sense to me. The six feels a lot like the five, although albeit a little bit bigger and, um, and uh, yeah, it's the next iPhone. It's a nice, it's a nice jump in a bunch of different areas. We haven't talked about things like Apple Pay, uh, which doesn't exist yet because it's coming in October. They say I have a Whole Foods very near my house. I'm looking forward to going over there with nothing but my phone and paying for something just because I can, but I can't yet. We have time to talk about those things. I mean, and I can reiterate why Apple chose the wrong country to to put Apple Pay yeah. in, but they save that for another day. Or perhaps the right country, but that is a great topic for a future episode, and we have those now because this is a podcast that we share together. It's lovely. Ray. I'm I'm going for the plus, by the way. So Really? I, yeah. So I've I have I have a few reasons. So Uh-huh. I am a very, very heavy iPhone user. Very heavy. And and we've spoken about this before. Um I use my iPhone constantly throughout the day and it, it lives in a Mophie juice pack. Like the, is it the juice pack? One of the Mophie cases. I keep it in the Mophie case all the time. I will sometimes during the day, I will have to, I will charge my phone by plugging it in at work. But then most likely throughout the day, I've also run down the battery of the, of the Mophie case as well as that. I use my phone very, very mm. heavily. There is an argument that I should clean my phone, like restore my phone. It's an ongoing <laughs> thing. I'm thinking about doing it for the plus, um, and just starting fresh. I'm th- I'm seriously thinking about it um, to try and give it the best start in life. Um, but both of these phones are too big to live in a phone battery case. They're both too big. For, so yeah. I measure. I was going to say for now, you know, there will be, but oh, they'll will. make it even more huge. <laughs> they'll they'll make them, but both of them will be too large at that point because yeah. it will it changes the dimensions in every angle. And I think if you made the phone fatter and bigger, both of them would be unusable. I think. Um, I mean, I measured out my iPhone 5s with the Mophie case on it, and it basically comes in just slightly under the six with the case on mm. it. So, but a, but a lot thicker, like twice the thickness. Um, so, uh, you know, I've been thinking of so battery life. So I, I want to have the best battery life possible. So tick number one, the plus. Um, and I, I have one of those Mophie packs, that, like the little brick things, and I'll just see if I can keep that in my bag and just try and work through life like a regular human. I'm really, really interested in the bigger screen for it, for additional content. They both have bigger screens, but I'm also really interested about the kind of pseudo iPad 
like mm-hmm. layout that re- I I think that's super cool and I'm very very excited about that because I am also an iPad mini owner um and maybe I won't need an iPad mini anymore I don't know I'll see how that goes over time I don't I don't like the larger iPads so it would either be iPad mini and iPhone plus which kind of seems redundant right. anyway or just yep. iPhone plus that they're kind of my main things to be honest yeah I I think I, my I mean, it depends on how you want to use these different devices. If you are out and about and using your iPhone all the time, then it sort of makes sense. Although, again, it's gonna that size is gonna need to work for you. That's that's a challenge, and it's not gonna be like double the battery life. It's just going nope. to be a little bit larger battery life. Um, is that the scenario? I mean, the other I'm not to be doctor, you know, iOS diagnosing guy, but um, you know, would would having a a, a mini with uh, with a data plan work for you or are you just you're just moving around and have the phone in your pocket is the important part phone in my pocket is the important part i've had i've had data how big are your pockets Uh, (laughs) let's find out i mean to buy it i have to be very deep i can tell you that Uh, because i'm I'm buying off contract right Uh, oh man i'd been preparing for this though i'd been preparing so my my feeling is um i'm going with the six plus um but I have two weeks to decide. So if after a week I cannot cope, I will return it and get a six. Uh, but I, I, I feel like I need to, I, I want to try it. I'm, I'm interested in it. I would like to be able to use the larger device for a bunch of reasons. Um, mm-hmm. I think I could live a bit. I have relatively big hands. I, I have, my, my fingers are, this is a very strange fact about me. Yeah. <laughs> For my hand size, my fingers are over average. There you go. A doctor told me that once, and it's true. I have very so you long have, fingers. So you have you have normal hands but long fingers? Yeah. Or lar- large hands with even larger fingers? Um, I'm going to say maybe the I'm latter. glad we've gotten this all out in episode one. I'm glad we, we know. So you've got large hands and even longer fingers. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm like... So- all right. <laughs> I have long <clears throat> fingers too. I have long fingers too. I don't, I don't think my hands are large, but my fingers are large. My so, toes are long too. Does that help? <laughs> I don't know. It depends how many phones you want to use. <laughs> mm, interesting. So let's see. I mean, that's going to be the interesting follow-up, I think, for episode two is can Mike cope with a 6 Plus? I'm hoping that it will arrive oh, yeah. um, in time for the next episode. So we'll see. I mean, I, I'm very, I'm very interested in it. And... Uh, I also there's also a part of me, Jason, that, and I seem to have assumed this role in, with connected as well is to be the different one. And there's this part of me that's being drawn to this is the phone that not many other people are going to get, and I feel like that there should be some opinions about it. And boy, do I have opinions! Yeah, you could be that guy. Yeah, I'd be that. You could be guy. that guy that, that that's like. And then on every podcast, they'll be like, well, of course, I'm not like Mike Hurley. I just got the six. And you'll become famous as that guy who got the big phone. The only guy. Could be. Uh, I'll go from being the British guy to the guy who has the plus. Um, but we'll yeah, say we'll they're see. very popular in Asia and with Mike Hurley. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's good demographics. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, it's it, exciting, right? Two phones is very exciting. Like uh, mm. the, the fact that we knew it kind of diminishes from it a bit. But but two phones is very exciting to me. I think so. Let me let me blow your mind here, with, please, because it's it, right. It's four phones because they're still selling the five C and the five S. And here's the question: Maybe I won't blow your mind, but here's what I wonder for next year, which is, I wonder 
if that smaller phone size will stick around. I wonder if next year they do something to update the 5 or they create a new 6 or whatever that is a mini that's essentially what we think of now as the iPhone. I wonder if Apple really wants to give up that traditional iPhone size. This year it's easy. This year they can just keep the 5S around and lower the price. Keep the 5C, which I think is actually done despite everybody kind of rolling their eyes at it. My daughter told me today she sees the 5C everywhere. You know, mm-hmm. it's not for super tech nerds. I think it's for kids and regular people who want a new phone. So now that's free with contract in the U.S. Um, so this year's a, a kind of a, a gimme for them. But next year, I, that's my question is, do they do they abandon at some point, the smaller phone size, or do they keep it and just make it another so that you have three? Right now, we've got two new ones, and then the old ones are still around, but that would be my my question. Something I'm interested to see is perhaps in a year or two, um, the iPhone line will be three, and it will be small, medium, and large. Right now, it's medium and large, and then last year's great one is the small. I don't know. Yeah, what happens to that? We'll see. Does the small phone eventually fall off the end, or do they just keep one around forever? Or do, do you, you know, yeah, yeah, is do they just keep upgrading the specs and still call it the 5S? Or do at some at some point, do they call it iPhone mini or iPhone 6, you know, 6 mini or something like that and and change its look and change its internals, but keep it at a small one? Or, do, or are they just completely out of that market? The tail will be in the numbers, the, the tail is in the numbers. Right. We have no idea right now if these phones are going to sell. No, I mean, what we know what we know is that there is a market for larger phones because Android has exploited it. That that the 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 only real major segment of the high end phone market, which is where Apple plays, that isn't controlled by Apple, is the large screen size because they don't have a phone there and they've left their competition to have that space. What we don't know is if the people who currently have an iPhone will go to that extra size or not, and how many of them. How many of them will the 6 be good enough, uh, you know, not too big, uh, versus people being repelled by it? I I think most people will just go to the 6 and be fine, but it's going to be interesting to see if they feel that there's a market for a smaller phone, because I think there is. Um, I think some people don't really want want a big phone mm-hmm. just for their lives. And uh, who, who's to say that Apple? I mean, now that now that we have two brand new iPhones, why couldn't they just do three? They're selling four models now in three sizes. They could keep doing that uh, if there's a market for the smaller and presumably cheaper device. I don't know. My mom would never use a, a phone bigger than her iPhone. 5c yeah. she she just would not and she she will upgrade her phone every couple of years so when it comes to that point she she will not want to use one of those bigger phones so then what do they do mm-hmm. like, there are lots of my mums in the world you mm-hmm. know and and i'm sure that apple doesn't want to stop serving that market but i i don't think we're going to know the answer to that question for a couple of years yet right because we right, need because- to see what happens when the 5s moves that far down the line Right, if if they eliminate all of those phones, because the, in the next year or two, the, those phones will still be available, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you don't want the larger phone, you'll just get the 5C or the 5S, and so it will it will take some time. Although I am sure that Apple is doing some serious product research on this thing, because I, I you know, and they probably know the answer already to whether whether this is really going to be a, a consumer need or not. But that's what I keep wondering is I think maybe it is, maybe they maybe. 
this is a three product product line and you know this year the only new ones are the two bigger ones but at some point is it a three product line small medium large or are those old phones just kicked to the curb and it's old news and everybody's got a big phone now and you know eat it old man right i mean yeah. that could be but uh but i don't know i don't know it is great to see the 4s fall off that that lineup though yeah yeah that's good that stuck around for a year longer than it needed to yeah I, and the five the five you know five is a really good five was a really good model so the 5c for free with contract in the u.s is uh that's a pretty good deal because that's actually a pretty good phone even now i would say that's a that's a pretty darn good phone i love the way that phone looks yeah yeah it looks neat and like i said my daughter would love one i think she's gonna get my old five instead so no color, just black. But uh, buy her but, a fancy uh, case. But I won't feel bad about it. Exactly. She can she can uh, color it up with a case. So there's still so much to talk about over the next couple of weeks that came out of this event because you know we have months worth of things happening because we've got the watch and and all that sort of stuff. So there's still a lot more to unpack. But I think for today, for the phones, we are done. Jason, thank you for yeah. sharing your thought, thoughts on these. It's been fascinating, and and if I may say, a great start to upgrade. Uh, I think it went really well, and I hope people will keep listening. We'll be back. Uh, we'll be back next week with episode two. How about that? Sounds fantastic. Until then, as, as we said before, our show notes are relay.fm/upgrade/one, and uh, that's it. That's about it for this week. Thank you very much. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye.